Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. And I love doing this. Let's love on our worship team for doing such a, a great job leading us out today. Welcome uh, to Connect Church. And we want to thank you uh, for coming in with us today. Uh, the desire to make much of Jesus. And by doing so, doing everything we can to connect everyone we can to the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. We are we're just so glad that you are here today. We've been in a series of, of messages through the gospel of John. Over the past couple weeks, we've been honed in on Jesus, our good shepherd. In fact, um, last week we actually had a real sheep on stage. Uh, we, we opted for the artificial sheep today because in the 9 o'clock... Let's just say our sheep felt a whole lot better after coming on stage. And so uh, we've actually gone this way. Here's a couple things we learned about sheep uh, last week. Hey, number one, they're defenseless. Number two, they're witless. I mean, they don't have a whole lot of wit, a whole lot of sense to them. And, and number three, that they are helpless. And, uh, and one of the videos I showed last week, I'd really like to just open up with again because I don't know about you, but this is a pretty good picture of my spiritual life this past week. Take a look. We played this last week as well. Remember this guy? Stuck in a trench. There he goes. Now, keep watching for a second. There's a slow-mo. Hey, it's, a, it's amazing to me how good God is in, in knowing how much like sheep we are. Uh, but coming off a week like that where sometimes, man, I find myself, man, in one trench, and man, he gets me out of it, and I'm doing okay, only to find myself jumping into another problem, jumping into another situation of my own making. And here's the deal. If that at all looked like your spiritual life this past week, you are in good company today. You are in good company. We are just, we're grateful that you are here. Do you see, as the under-shepherd, uh, the pastor of Connect Church, it is, it is my job to feed the sheep. And it really works well when you show up at the feeding time. So thank you all for being here today as we continue in our study of the Gospel of John. Today we finish chapter 10 together, a conversation that Jesus has been having with Jewish religious leaders ever since he had the audacity all the way in chapter 9 to heal the blind man. And as with all conversations between Jesus and religious leaders at this point in the Gospel of John, we find ourselves with things getting heated. Conversation escalates into confrontation and be, all because Jesus last week said these words that are true. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Remember we talked last week in the Old Testament, and sheep laid down their life for the shepherds, right? Whether it be for feasting or for sacrifices, sheep laid down their lives for the shepherd, and yet we see Jesus, the good shepherd, who lays down his life for his sheep, this imagery of God being our shepherd is still alive and well in the minds of the people in the first century, the people having conversation with Jesus that day. But I'm going to tell you this, Jesus as our good shepherd, man, he sure had his skeptics. Watch this play out. The Jews who heard these words, they were again divided. Many of them said he's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? 
But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Hey, by the way, this whole idea of calling Jesus a demon or Satan was absolutely nothing new. We have already seen this together. He was either the Savior or he was Satan, and there wasn't a whole lot in between for those in the crowd that day. But you know what? Like the blind man, some of the Jews could not get over the fingerprints of God all over the life of Jesus, all over his words, and all over the miracles. Watch this. The Bible tells us on in verse 22, then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter. By the way, winter's the rainy season um, in Jerusalem, and so it was probably raining around this time. So we find Jesus in the temple courts under, walking under Solomon's colonnade, a large porch there where he could find shelter from the rain. The Jews who were there, now watch this language, they gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Now I want you to note something about the words gathered around. In the original Greek language, that means this, that they surrounded Jesus, they encircled him, and the picture is there is hostility. And they aren't happy about it. I want you to notice this, that they asked him the question, tell us plain, are you the Messiah? They do not ask this question with any type of faith, but ready for a fight. If they could get Jesus to proclaim, hey, I am the Messiah, the promised one of God from the Old Testament, they could arrest him. And the, their greatest threat to their position, their prestige, their prominence, who was Jesus, well, he would finally be silenced. But before we get to Jesus' answer to their question, I want to draw your attention to a gap of time that we find between verse 21 and what we find here in verse 22. In fact, it's a two-month gap. Verse 21, Jesus is still at the Feast of Tabernacles. And now we find ourselves in November and December, two months later, at the Festival of Dedication in Jerusalem. Now, you say, well, what is this Festival of Dedication? Well, number one, it was not commanded of God in the Old Testament. We don't see it at all in the Old Testament. But you know where it does show up on your calendars? And it's, it's Hanukkah. It's what you see as the celebration of Hanukkah on your calendars. This was an event that happened in the intertestamental period of the Bible. You go, what? Intertestamental period. And that is the 400 years between the last book in the Old Testament, Malachi, and the gospel accounts of Jesus being born in the New Testament. There was an event that is celebrated that is called Hanukkah that we find is pretty incredible. In fact, let me give you some history so you can know a little bit more about what your calendar means. Uh, we have this guy, Antiochus Epiphanes. Man, he was a Greek, if there ever was a Greek, yet he was also a pagan and a Syrian king who brutally persecuted the Jews because of their love of God and their faith. Here was their desire. Here was his desire for the Jews to destroy them and to wipe them off the face of the earth. That kind of sounds familiar even today, doesn't it? But that was his heartbeat. That was his desire. We find this, that he was, he was after Hellenizing all the Jewish people. You ready? Making them Greek. So what did he do? He made it illegal for them to practice their faith or any of their religious customs like celebrating and honoring the Sabbath. All known copies of Old Testament scripture were to be burned. It was, in fact, illegal to own any portion of the Old Testament. They were even forced as Jewish people to, to make sacrifices to pagan gods. In fact, 
Antiochus went so far as to seize, to conquer, and to desecrate the temple of God in Jerusalem in 170 B.C. Here's what he did. He sacrificed a pig on the altar. He set up a pagan altar, and he brought in a statue of Zeus into the temple of God to be worshipped. That led to a revolt called the Maccabean Revolt. That was the response of devoted Jews who fought back brilliantly on the battlefield, retook the temple from Antiochus in 165. I'm going to tell you something, church. This was in a, this Hanukkah celebration, an incredible moment for the Jewish people. And you know what? We find Jesus celebrating it in Jerusalem, and this is the very backdrop upon which he is going to answer their question. Tell us plainly, if you are, the Messiah. Watch what he says here back in John chapter 10. Jesus answered, hey, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep, listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Hey, can I just remind you, when he speaks of sheep, Jesus is speaking of his followers, of his believers. And let me tell you two things that describe every believer. Ready? They listen to his voice. That means they obey his word and they follow Jesus. That's what we find. That's what just sheep do who belong to the good shepherd. And so here's what Jesus is saying. Simply this. What I have done with my actions, well, those actions have spoken a lot louder than even my words. And here's the deal. You Ready? The Jews that day, they didn't believe, they did not believe in Jesus because there wasn't enough evidence. They didn't believe because, you ready, simply at its heart. They did not want to repent and turn from their sins. And they did not want to follow Jesus. Hey, do y'all, if, do I have any 90 babies out here? I, I was born in the 80s, really raised in the 90s. And, and I got into a couple fights when I was younger. And there were some fighting words back then that you might remember. That would take any fight in the playground and ensure that fish would fly. Do y'all remember your mama jokes? You know, there are three categories of your mama jokes. Your mama's so stupid. Your mama's so ugly. And then your mama's so, and there was an F word, fat. And man, I'm going to tell you, anytime you broke those out, listen, I didn't care who you were, I'd hit you, right? And that was in the good old days where you could hit people and it wasn't a hate crime. Man, somebody need to be knocked upside the head. Once they start talking about your mama, in verse 30, Jesus makes a statement, a truth bomb that, his, that had his skeptics picking up stones. Instead of a joke about someone's mama, because Jesus is better than that, Jesus drops, drops the truth about his father. And watch this. Guys, hear the fighting words of that day. I, Jesus said, and the father are one. And at this... His Jewish opponents pick up stones, the Bible says, to stone him. And there it is. Far more damning than proclaiming to be the Messiah was proclaiming to be God. And this is just what the jealous and bloodthirsty religious leaders of that day wanted from Jesus. Because here's what we find. Not only are they picking up stones, Jesus would say as they would pick up those stones, man, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? Isn't that a great question? Man, you killing me for healing the blind man? You're killing me for helping a lame man walk again? 
Which of these again are you going to stone me for? And listen to their response. We're not stoning you for any good work. They replied, but for blasphemy. Because you are a mere man. By the way, Jesus never claimed to be a mere man. This is what they surmised. Because you are a mere man and you claim to be God. You claim to be God. You might say, well, Anthony, what is this crime of blasphemy? Now, I'm going to take you to Got Questions, which is a site I encourage you to go to as you read your Bible. Man, you have questions about the Bible. This is good conservative theology. But listen to what blasphemy is. You ready? To blaspheme is to speak with contempt about God or to be defiantly irreverent. Blasphemy is verbal or written reproach of God's name, character, his works, and his attributes. You see, blasphemy was a serious crime in the law that God gave to Moses. The Israelites were to worship and obey God. Blasphemy was not part of that puzzle. In Leviticus 24, a man blasphemed the name of God, and you know what? He was stoned to death for doing so. And so what we have here in John chapter 10 is we got some boys who are wanting to relive that moment with Jesus and to stone him. And I love what Jesus does here. He begins to reason with them. And he says this in verse 34. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? And now Jesus begins to quote himself, who's the very lawgiver. Is it not written in your law that I have said you are God's? This is where it gets weird for a moment, but hang out with me, okay? If he called them God's to whom the word of God came, and Scripture cannot be set aside. Jesus said, Scripture is true, it is right, and if it says this, it is He says this, what about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent him into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said, I am God's son. This is a little bit of a hard passage until you go back and you read Psalm 82 where Jesus quotes verse 6. I said, you are God's, you are all sons of the Most High. And this is God speaking of some of Israel's leaders. Literally it says, you are the mighty ones, you are the gods with the little g. And what happens here is the Bible uses a Hebrew name for God, Elohim. Now clearly in the text, God is not saying, hey, you are littler versions of me. That you are almighty and all power, just little. That's not what God's saying here. What God is addressing in the text is that these men worked under God's authority and they were rulers over men. And what Jesus is doing by using this verse is reasoning with them. He's saying, you have no problem with using God's name to describe leaders of Israel who worked under God's authority, but you have a problem when I use it, even though I have the works to back up exactly what I say. You ready? Here's Jesus' closing argument. Let my actions, let the miracles, and let the wonders, let them speak for themselves. And then he reiterates the fighting words. We are the same, father and son. He is in me, and I am in him. And again, they try to seize him. But he escaped, the Bible says, their grasp. I read that, and as I studied this, that they tried to seize him, but they escaped but Jesus escaped their grasp. You know what words came to my mind? Words spoken back in 1990 by the great evangelist and theologian, M.C. Hammer. Remember him? You know, he said, hey, can't touch this? Dun, dun. Anyway, I, listen, I remember that song, and I just thought, man, when I heard that Jesus, man, they wanted him, but they couldn't touch him, I thought, man, that's exactly why. But here's the question. Why is it that they can't touch this when it comes to Jesus at this point? Because I want to remind you something, that our good shepherd 
lays down his life when God says to, not when they said to. Jesus was on God's timeline, not theirs. You can't touch this until it's time for me to lay down my life for the sheep. But I want you to hear me in John chapter 10. There's more than just confrontation towards the end here. There's a teaching of Jesus, our good shepherd, that is central, that is, that is sacred, that is security for all the sheep, and that is serenity for those who are in Christ, who listen to the shepherd's voice and follow him. And here it is. And I pray that you'd write this down, and I pray maybe that you would read this every day this week as a reminder of just who we are to our good shepherd. He says this, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Remember, that's just what sheep do. Those who are in Christ. I I give them, watch the promises here, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them me, he is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hands. I'm going to tell you the truth, church. Every time I visit John chapter 10, every time I visit these Verses. Let, let me tell you what it's like for me as a sheep. It's as if the good shepherd takes me and he lies me down in green pastures. That he leads me and sits me beside still waters. That he puts his arm around me. Every time I visit this text, he put, pulls me in close and he reminds me, you are mine and I am yours. And nothing, no one, can ever change that. Every time I visit these passages, it's exactly what I experience and I feel and I sense from the Lord. Hey, when was the last time you visited these passages? You let him sit you down in the green pastures beside those still waters You let him through his word, put his arm around you, pull you in close and go, you know what? You're mine, and I'm yours. And nothing, no one can ever change that. I love what Pastor Brian Bell wrote concerning this text and the words never perish that we find there in the Greek language. In John 10, 28, the word never is there four times in the Greek language. I'm going to tell you something. Anytime you see something written down four times in the Greek language, man, you better pay attention to it. There's a point to be made, and Jesus is making it. He said a literal rendering, a reading of this verse is this, and I give to them eternal life, and they shall not at all by any means in any case, in any place, at any time, for any purpose, whether it be a male or female, perpetually or eternally, ever perish. Ever perish. What a promise we find here that no lion, no tigers, no bears, oh my, no thief, no robber, no mistakes, not even you can take you, can snatch you out of the Father's hands. I want you to see this. You ready? Here are the four promises we find in John chapter 10, verses 27 through 29. Number one, I give them eternal life. Number two, they shall never perish. They shall never die spiritually. They'll forever be alive. Number three, no one will snatch them out of my hand. And just in case you thought number three wasn't good enough, no one can snatch them out of my Father's hands. 
No one can. I want you to notice what's not in the text. Can show, somebody show me the conditional clauses here? Right? I give them eternal life unless they screw up. Uh, they shall never perish unless they struggle with sin. Well, no one will snatch them out of my hand well, unless, of course, you want to snatch yourself out of my hands. Can show, somebody show me that in the text? The conditional nature of these promises for his sheep? How about this one? No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand unless they're not good enough for me. Can somebody take me to the conditional nature of any of these promises? Because when I read John chapter 10, verses 27 through 29, all I see are the unconditional promises of God the Father towards his sheep. Towards us. You know, I got to thinking, you and I have got to be careful. We cannot take unconditional promises of God and put conditions on them. Man, it is not our place to read John chapter 10 and go, oh, listen, he gives us eternal life, but if we do this, man, I'll never perish, but we're really, we will perish if we do this, or, or no one can snatch it. You know, listen, but, but somebody really can. Man, it is not our place to put conditions on the unconditional promises of God. But oftentimes we do. So we ask the question here, why do so many sheep struggle with being with being forever the possession of the good shepherd. Why is it that you and I struggle at seasons in our life with that assurance that forever I am his and he is mine? I've got really the biggest reason, if you'd like me to share it with you. Uh, there's this man by the name of Josh you met with a room full of pastors. Those pastors that heard from their congregation as people left their churches. Man, I, I never get fed. I wish we'd go deeper in the Bible, and because of that, I'm going to go find another church. Hey, by the way, happens all the time in our line of work. So Josh is addressing these pastors who are discouraged, and, and he says one thing to them that really made all the sense in the world. And here's the truth. I believe. Watch what Josh says. He says this, the vast majority of Christians are educated past their level of obedience. Think of that. Why, why is it we struggle so much with the promises of God, these unconditional promises? It's because we know more than we're willing to live out. We have been educated past our level of obedience, meaning this, and we claim to know his word we can't claim to know the truth and the promises. But obeying that, man, that is lagging. And I'm going to tell you, it is in that lack, it is in that distance that doubt begins to rise up in us sheep about whether really he'll stick it out as our good shepherd forever and for always. I want to remind you of verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. What happens when we stop listening? I know them and they follow me. What happens if we start following Jesus at a distance? I'm convinced the greatest reason why we as sheep struggle with the assurance of our salvation is due to our failure to walk in obedience to Christ because we stop listening and we start following our good shepherd at a distance. And I also think sometimes our feelings get in the way. Hey, can I remind you something about our feelings? Our feelings are a wonderful gift from God. 
They tell us that we're alive. They help us to experience life. And while they are a wonderful gift from God, they are a terrible guide for our lives. So I got, um, I got a little five-year-old boy, Bennett, and you know what he is? He's just one ball of emotions and feelings. Man, any kid at the age of four or five, all they are are feelings wrapped into a body, right? And you know what? That's okay. You know why? Because he's five years old. I'm 41. Hopefully, I've grown up from being a five-year-old boy that is just guided by feelings to a man of God who is a man of faith and not just feelings in my life. We are people of faith, not just feelings. Now you say, man, what if I'm a true believer and I don't feel safe? Then let me remind you, let your faith inform your feelings and not the other way around. Why? Because we're people of faith. I like this, right? are you ready? I want to remind you something. You didn't save you. Jesus saved you. Therefore, your salvation and mine depends on his promises and not our performance. You didn't good yourself into salvation, therefore you cannot bad yourself out of your salvation. And I want to remind you in this conversation of feelings, don't let what you experience, what you see and hear, make you forget what God's word has said. Anthony, what has God's word said then? Well, let me take you back in verse 27. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my Father's hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hands. I'm going to tell you I'm a dad of four kids, young kids. Man, I love them. I have a daughter who just turned seven years old. Her name's Sadie. Man, she's the most precious thing on the planet. I love that little girl. And for years now, I go tuck her in, and I, I, kiss, I kiss all over her face, such a cute face. And, and I always tell this to her, hey, Sadie, you know you make my heart happy, don't you? And then she smiles ear to ear. I know, Daddy. Well, a couple years ago, she had done something wrong. And listen, I don't even remember what it was. I think it might have been she lied about something. She didn't tell the truth about something. In my house, listen, you get a spanking if you lie. We, we are not, we don't, we're not liars. We do not lie. We're going to follow the truth. And so that's a, that's a spankable offense in our house. Well, that night I passed on the spanking. And I just sat with her in bed and I said, Sweetheart, you need to know that you have you disappointed you, Dad. And you've hurt, my, you've hurt my heart. This really hurts my heart that you lie because we don't lie. And then she just breaks down crying. You know, she just all tore up. And, and she looked at me and she said, in her tears, she said, Daddy, Daddy. Do I still make your heart happy? And I said, sweetheart, yes. But I'm going to tell you, it hurts me when you lie. You know, we had that conversation. You know what she didn't ask me? Hey, Dad, do you still love me? Do you know what my kids have never asked me as their dad, whether they've been in trouble or not? They've never said, hey, Dad, I'm just checking in with you today. Uh, Do you love me today or not? Man, am I still your kid today or am I not your kid today? I want you to hear me. I have four children. The odds of all of them loving and following after Jesus the rest of their life, man, it is slim. And only by God's grace that any of them would. Man, but I love them. And I'm here to tell you, 
There is nothing they can ever do to not make me love them. There's nothing they can ever do for me to ever look at them. I'm no longer your father. Hear me, if I can love my kids, and I am so flawed, and I am shortcoming as a father in so many ways, if I can love my kids that way, how much more the love of this good shepherd who has laid down his life for us, how much more does he love us? And so let me tell you my prayer for a sheep. It's the prayer that Paul prayed to the church in Ephesus, and he writes, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. Watch this. To grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That is my prayer for us sheep. Because sometimes we really forget how much he loves us and the promises that he's given to us. Two years ago, I was preaching in our Ask Me a Question series, and I broke out some daisies. And I remember being a kid, and whether it was in some cartoons or on the movie screen sometimes, I would see people do this when they fall in love. But they had a boyfriend or girlfriend, they'd, they'd do this right here, they'd take a daisy and go, she loves me. She what? Loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. You know what happens? You get back down to the bottom and the last petals of the daisy, and you're praying to God that somehow he's moving through this daisy, and it's going to land on that she loves me. And if it doesn't quite work out that way, you take two petals and you throw them just in hopes that it works out. Hey, can I tell you something? It's cool when we do this as a kid. Man, it is it is dangerous as a believer to have this type of relationship with God. Hey, God, man, I sure hope you love me today. I, I sure hope you're not going to leave me today. Hey, God, I still hope I'm, I'm one of your kids. Man, I messed up and I struggled today, Dad. Man, hopefully you're not writing me out of the will and out of eternity. But guys, if we're not careful... We stop listening to his voice and we start following our shepherd at a distance. And this is exactly how your relationship and my relationship looks like with our good shepherd. We, we travel so far away that those promises seem a little fuzzy to us. Did he really say he gives me eternal life? Did he really say that I'll never perish? But I'm following him at a distance. And, I, and this is a picture of our relationship with Jesus, our good shepherd. And so can I just give us one challenge today? By the way, three weeks in a row, my challenge has been exactly the same. Why? Because the text has challenged us exactly the same. Here's my challenge for you, sheep. For me as a sheep. You ready? It's time that we put down the daisy, and it's time that we pick up the cross. We listen to the voice of our shepherd, and we follow him. Put down the daisy. Pick up the cross. And follow Jesus. Now, now some, and I want to say this, I know some people theologically disagree with me on this. Some people do believe that you can lose your salvation, that you can walk and fall from grace. And I know your text. I know the struggle. By the way, we can sit at the table anytime. Open his word and talk as brothers and sisters in Christ. I can't get there 
from John chapter 10. I just can't get there that he would ever leave us or forsake us. In fact, his word says he doesn't. That he who began a good work in me, he'll finish it. I just can't get there. But I also want to combat this idea. Well, Anthony, all you're preaching up there is, you know what, you can pray a prayer and you can live like hell the rest of your life and you're still going to make it to heaven. Absolutely not. The weaker of arguments is to immediately go to the hyperbole that never existed. I'm telling you, if you're here and you say, I prayed a prayer once and I've lived life, my life like hell, I've never followed the shepherd, I've never listened to him, I want you to hear me, you're not a sheep, you're a goat, and you're lost. That's not where this argument leads us. This argument leads us to sheep, to the love and the adoration and the worship of our good shepherd. That my motivation in following him is how good he's been to me. Do you know why I want to listen to his voice? Because it's the most beautiful voice I've, I've ever followed. You know why I want to follow him? Because he's worth following. And he laid down his life for me. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Church, Put down the daisies and pick up the cross. I want to close with this. In 2004, a sheep from New Zealand affectionately, by the way, true story, affectionately called Shrek, did not go to the shearing shed with the rest of his flock on the day he was due to have his beautiful fleece trimmed for the summer. But instead of listening to his shepherd's voice and following his shepherd, Shrek went in the other direction. He found a cave and decided he was going to live there by himself. Hey, Shrek did not just skip this one shearing on that one day. In fact, he lived in this cave, avoiding shearing for six years. This is Shrek. Hey, let's do the even better side profile, right? I mean, this is him. Hey, six years of not listening to a shepherd's voice. Six years of not following his shepherd. He was unrecognizable. So you know what the story goes? When the shepherd found him, you know what the shepherd did? He kicked him. What? No, that's not the story. Well, hey, listen. When the shepherd found this wayward sheep, he took a shotgun to him. That's... That's not the story. When the shepherd found Shrek, he took him to the shearing shed. He spent a lot of time cutting 60 pounds of wool off of his sheep. You see, sheep like Shrek there in the summertime often will die because of heat exhaustion and stroke to that animal. Sheep like Shrek here in the picture they're easily caught in a thicket where if not eaten by a predator, they can die from malnourishment and thirst. It's a danger. Listen, he can't even see. Right. Falling off a cliffside. Very easy for a sheep like this. And, and yet for six years, somehow, miraculously, he survived. And then his shepherd found him. He took care of him. I, mean, I got to thinking about my own life. 
when we fail to listen to the voice of God, our, our good shepherd, we fail to follow him, when we fail to, to pick up our cross every day and, and follow after Jesus, when we put distance between us and our good shepherd and, and try to go off on our own and, and live our life on our own, you know what happens? We get weighed down. And the voice of our good shepherd becomes unfamiliar. His promises are fuzzy. We lose confidence in those. I tell you what, maybe, just maybe, a lot of us spiritually are like Shrek today. You are weighed down because for whatever reason, you've stopped listening to your shepherd's voice and you are following him at a distance. And it has, life has weighed you down. Know this. Today you can listen to his voice. You can follow him. And you know what? He can take that excess weight from you today. But will you listen to his voice? Sunday number three, written in my sermon. Here's the challenge. You ready? Listen to the good shepherd's voice. Follow him. Church, put down the daisy. Take him at his promises and pick up the cross and follow him. Let's pray together, can we? As we, uh, as we pray, man, believer, I, man, I found myself like Shrek before in my life. I found myself at times, especially early on in my faith, saying this is just too good to be true. No way. No way does Jesus stick it out with me. I've messed up too big. I've gone too far. I have done that which is not right. There is no way that Jesus, that the good shepherd, there is no way he sticks it out with me. And then we go to John chapter 10, verse 27 through 29. And you know what God's word is saying to us? Yes way. Yes way. Because here's the nature of our good shepherd is that he never abandons his sheep. And some of you need to be reminded of that. Not as a license to sin, but as a freedom to serve our good shepherd all the days of our life. Listening to his voice, thus obeying his word and following him. And so some of y'all are weighed down just a little bit, like old Shrek. Why not right where you are, right now, come to the shepherd, knowing he's been, he's been after you the whole time. Turn towards your good shepherd. Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.